A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to podcast episode 156 from us lot, The Square Ball. My name's Dan Moylan. Uh, this is Michael Normanson with me. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman as well. Hello. A podcast is supported by Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% off your legal fees if you mention the square ball when you contact them. Head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Uh, issue four of our fanzine is coming soon as well. Uh, any remaining Bielsa stickers that we have left over will be given out with that. We've got loads of cracking clothing on sale too, including a whole line of like grey and pink Leeds Carajo stuff after we chastised the grey and pink lineup for being not Leeds. I mean, on a on a football pitch, it looks wrong, but... On us three, right at this moment, and we are we are all wearing grey and pink lead stuff. Yeah, me and Michael are identically dressed. You've gone with the Leeds Caracho, so a little bit of variety. Sadly, we, we need to start uh, authentic Spaniard. We need to start coordinating this in the mornings, don't we? If you fancy getting your hands on some of that, the grey and pink Leeds Carajo stuff, uh, there are hoodies, there are sweaters for this colder weather. It's all at thesquareball.net. Well, Tuesday morning now, as we record this, the main podcast, a few days down the line from the weekend and the victory against Blackburn, which we build on the Matchball podcast as a routine home win. Feels like that now, doesn't it? It's a while since we've had any routine home wins, but that's two in a row, isn't it? And if you count Birmingham before that, since the last international break, three home wins, two away draws, that's all right. Absolutely fine. Just more of these. 2-0 every game, 2-1 every game. That's fine. We don't need to be showing off, do we? Just going to put this one out there. If we win 2-0 every game between now and the end of the season, we'll go up as champions. Correct. Unless West Brom and or Preston do no, the same. We'll beat we, them. We'd beat them both, wouldn't we? Would we? Oh, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Plus they have to play each other. So they'll be taking points off each other. Okay. So we've got a new plan for Bielsa. Win every game 2-0. Or 2-1. Yeah. I mean, this on top of our guide to like kicking, kicking and scoring and, shooting. and winning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Perhaps we could do go for our own new tactical spin-off podcast. <laughs> it is the thing. I mean, Bielsa does overcomplicate things, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, we could just cut through a lot of the bullshit. Go it, up there. It needs look. to simplify it like Neil Warnock would. <laughs> say, look, Calvin, your head's been filled with a lot of nonsense over the last uh, 15 months or so. Let's just break it down. Let's get back to the player you were. Yeah, you see that whole area up there, that area of maybe about, what, 40 yards by 40 yards square? That's called the mixer. <laughs> what I want you to do, etc., etc. Anyway, back to, I mean, long balls from um, Calvin. That was a beautiful one, that through ball. Bamford touchdown. Well, it was very nice. I know, I know we didn't give Bamford an awful lot of credit for his penalty, but the, the build-up for that was was all delightful. And Jack Harrison's run was good as well, because if he, he could have had a touch of the Hadi Sackos and run outside Bamford mm. there, but instead he saw that the chance was on the inside and a very calm finish as well. I like the finish. I watched the replays from uh, behind that post and you can sort of see him just pass it and almost miss it <laughs> in off the post. But no, it was really good, like, because any further to the left and that keeper's probably got quite a long arm, so you, you, you're risking that. Any further to the right and there's probably a ball boy there that doesn't want it, so ping it in off the post. Maybe that's another tactical adjustment we can make. All the goals we score between now and the season have to be 
pinged in off the post because the keepers won't get there. You certainly should be looking to shoot into corners. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned. Because they're furthest away from like, the goalkeeper's yep, top, fingers. Top and bottom corners are the best ones. I think uh-huh. Steve Morrison once heard that information, but I think he, he misunderstood it, didn't he? <laughs> so um, going back to this penalty then, are you still standing by the fact it was a penalty? Just about... I think so. They just he clattered legs. I don't think anyone tries to tackle anyone. It's just an unfortunate coming together, which Lou Kaling well, shows. I mean, you know because... that if Lou Kaling encounters a limb, even the, the lightest brush of a limb in front of him, he will go down and he will land on that ball with his hands. I'd be annoyed if it was given against us, probably. Mm. Although, I'd, equally, I'd probably be annoyed at our defender for, for doing that. Yeah, you can't be that clumsy in yeah. the penalty area. You've got to be... Ben White wouldn't have done it. So, that, I mean, maybe that's our new standard now. Would when but would Ben White would when bite have uh, have had that against him? And the answer is no. So it should be a penalty. See what Tony Mowbray said about this: soft to say the best, never a penalty to say the worst, and put it down to the standard of refereeing in the championship, which I can get on board with mm. the general standard of uh, refereeing in this league. But I mean, yeah, it's one of those that I think it was just about a penalty, and just because it was given for clumsiness. There is something floating about about. Ailing telling one of the players that it was embarrassing. Um, not that like he was embarrassed, but just I think it was that one of those things where players thought, well, that's an embarrassing decision. Um, so I think he kind of knew he's played the percentages, thought, all right, see if the referee will give this. It's not, not a dive, like he's not gone outrageously leaping over somebody's leg. And the uh, Blackburn player, style. he definitely doesn't touch the ball either, the no. defender, and he does try to. It's a big tangle of, of legs clattering into each other and you, you either get it or you don't and ailing maybe he's just being trying to wind them up even more say oh yeah that wasn't a penalty but we've got it haven't we and let's be grateful we didn't have to wait four and a half minutes while some people mm. hundreds of miles away watched it in a frame by frame detail Mike oh, bloody Riley is the, is the position of the leg natural as he runs through and all this sort of crap so yeah, just give a penalty just to us though <laughs> yeah, absolutely just to us and that was what was nice quite nice about Tony Mowbray's reaction is he wasn't having a, go- a good at uh Having a go at Ailing or a go at Leeds, just saying, like, the referee's here are rubbish. Mm, he's and come then out, we move on. It's come out of this quite well, but on the penalty itself, again, we, we spoke at the weekend about it being nice that Bamford got the monkey off his back in terms of needing the goal. It just gives him the chance to reset now, go into the break with a clear head. Uh, you were a little bit unkind to him, though, Moscow, saying it was a bit like taking a five year old's maths test. Just, well, what I'm saying is, it was a little bit, he needs a goal and there's no easier chance unless somebody set him up on the goal line two yards out to tap it into an empty net, you know, where you've got a kid that's upset. Whereas this, at least some, there was a challenge. But, I mean, I was thinking more of like what the consequences would have been if he had not. Can we imagine the world we would now be living in if Bamford had missed that penalty and we'd lost that game? So there was a lot of pressure on him, but also it's 12 yards, it's a freebie. Although not for Leeds, because we generally miss all our penalties. And the implication, obviously, being that a five-year-old's maths test would be easy. For a... Well, how old's Bamford? For a 25-year-old privately educated economics expert, I assume when he's totting up his investments in the morning, reading through the Financial Times, then he, he has to be good at this stuff. Well, let's see how easy they are, because I've brought a five-year-old's maths test with me today. Uh, so grab yourself a pen. <laughs> Why? Go on, grab yourself a pen. What for? To do some maths. A five-year-old's maths test. Pat, Bam- Pat Bamford's sent us this. Yeah, let's see how easy it really is then. Can I, I'll score a penalty. No, I want you to do a five-year-old's maths test. You ready? I did actually, for the record, I got A's in GCSE 
maths, which was a, a shock to everybody and then uh, ruined my life because I was forced to do it at A-level and I didn't understand what was going on. Right, ready? So that's maybe why this is going to be difficult. It's If you'd asked me this when I was actually five, <laughs> fine. Right, ready? Um, two times four? Eight. Five times one? Five. Three times three? Nine. Eight times two? Sixteen. And then three times five? Fifteen. Well, what, what's your grand total of those five sums? Well, I didn't... <laughs> I didn't know that was coming. Well, that's that's the five-year-old's math test I found on the internet. Can so. we go through it again, then? No. Nope. Well, that's the test of memory rather than the test of maths. It's not. Have you written them all down? No. All right. I just answered you because they were so easy. I didn't need to write down two times four. Right, so eight. Right. Five. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. Sixteen. Mm. Fifteen. Mm-hmm. What's your total? <laughs> May have to edit some of this silence out. <laughs> Boo! Uh, 53. Well done. Yeah, there you go. Well done. So you would have scored that penalty on Saturday, officially. We've tested it. So I'm as, yeah, I'm as good at maths as Patrick Bamford is at penalties. Well done. Um, All in my head as well. Quite proud of that. I thought it was going to be terrible. Apart from the bit that you wrote down. (laughs) Well, Uh, no, but that's, I mean, I didn't use a calculator. uh, Okay, so Ailing, very, very good Ailing, winning as a penalty. Very, very bad for their goal. Yeah, he just got a bit of a run on him, did their defender. But they didn't have any other chances. No. And he knew. He was, he was punching the ground straight afterwards like a big angry fool. And uh, I mean, we're no good at defending corners, so it's just kind of, it's accepted now. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I wasn't surprised. Like, oh, we're not going not gonna to mark it. Although we were actually good. Bamford headed at least two away from the near post of uh, Stuart Downing's crosses coming over, which Pontus Janssen like. He was doing that role pretty well on Saturday. It was just that one that went into a different area that didn't go straight onto his forehead that we seemed to struggle with. And didn't uh, old uh, Garcia catch one as well? Or was that just a cross in open play? I'm sure there was there was a very, very good take from a, a cross coming over. Was so it, we were okay. Was it as good as the, um, the Blackburn keeper when he came and got that really... <laughs> delicately floated cross that any goalkeeper in the world would have caught and this is just the clip we saw on social media of the, the Blackburn commentary team going that's an amazing save well it was just that one of them the one dickhead the actual main commentator guy was alright about it he's, he's done well though he's come out he's commanded his area good work the other one's gone great save I mean oh. it's, it's like the easiest ball for a goalkeeper to catch it's gone really really high yeah. with no pace on it straight into the into his yeah. hands basically he's just had to run out and catch and you can't ball. and you can't challenge a keeper these days so no it's yeah. what a goalkeeper will do about 200 times during a week in training just yeah. catching little balls like that yeah. I mean they're Blackburn they've got to take what they can get haven't they uh, some of the people who deserve a little bit of credit from that game Stuart Dallas I don't think we mentioned at the weekend he was good playing another position because he's not played a conventional left back has he yet this season I don't think did he play left did he play wing back at one point I'm trying to remember he plays all over the place so it's quite hard to track his movement yeah you look at a team lineup and you go alright oh, Stuart Dallas that was what happened in the uh who did we beat like the QPR game where it's alright oh, okay Dallas left back and then 10 minutes in you're like right if he's the left back why is he playing right midfield but yeah this was a bit more disciplined it did obviously mean he's in their penalty area as much as he's defending ours but that's the joy of a Bielsa left back but um, yeah he's he's having the uh, he's having a good season his old stew pot I think he's going to get the transfer to Real Madrid when he's about 32 they're going to need a utility player and they're going to ask Bielsa and he'll be like get Dallas be the uh, Thomas Graveson exactly. of, uh, of the modern era. I sort of always wondered what uh, what Stuart Dallas was for. For everything, it yeah. turns out. Mm. Well, because he was never particularly pacey or could beat a man on the outside, let's say, for example. 
uh, not particularly skillful and his, his distribution never seemed to be that good. Suddenly, he just he's turned into this really well-rounded footballer who can play just about anywhere. We've kind of overcome his limitations with a system that allows him to play to his strengths because he, he he's very good retaining possession. He can overlap well. He keeps he he just keeps the ball in wide areas. He doesn't he doesn't actually need to beat players in the position he plays now. I think fitness has got a lot to do with it as well. The fact that these players are all the stronger than they've ever been in their entire lives. So that gives him a little bit of a, an edge when he is running up the up the wing. If it's not natural pace, it's stamina and. I think that's a big factor with Glick was saying last week that when he's away with Poland, they have to tell him in training that he needs to stop running. <laughs> it's like For- Forrest Gump. <laughs> stop, and, uh, Forrest, stop. I was seeing it with Alioski as well, the way that when he plays left back, he just charges up and down the pitch. And it, um, it definitely gives our lads an edge over who they were. And you do maybe wonder if this is with one eye to the second half of the season when stamina is going to be important as well because that's what um, was evident in the uh, the latter part of last season that the, the, the there was no physical fatigue as such but maybe it became a mental fatigue and a doubt whereas we seem to be playing a little bit more within ourselves this year and maybe keeping a little bit more in reserve. Click said something last week as well about them sort of thinking that we're there in March and thinking that oh, we've, we've done enough we just, we just need to see the season out now and that they won't make that mistake again. And yeah, we've. I think we've spoken before. You can see the difference on Saturday, in particular, with some of those just long bollocking hoofs forward out the back, where it's like, okay, we're in, we're in the last ten minutes. We don't need to worry too much about playing out with a triangle out of this situation. Just get the ball as yeah. far forward as we can, and then we have got the the strength and the stamina, even though it's the last five minutes, to bully charge up there and get right up the pitch. So it's not. Um, we're not sitting back too deep when we're doing this this all out defence job. We are banging the ball forward and uh, and running after it. Like yeah, but, uh, Warnock would be proud. But you're also, uh, you are conserving more energy because you're not busting a gut to get up the other end of the field and then having to bust a gut to get back to try and contain it. If it goes up the other end of the pitch, you can then press, but in your natural shape, you're not kind of yeah. all over the place. It's more controlled. Yeah, we stopped trying to score. On Klitsch, actually, because there's been a little bit of criticism in recent weeks that he's not maybe contributing enough but I took a couple of stills from Jack Harrison crossing positions and Klitsch is in the identical position on both of these he is getting into the right places still he just needs someone to pass him the fucking ball have yeah. you seen yeah. Yeah, you're, no, just to say do these screen grabs you've got are, they are yes. separate incidents but yeah. they look almost identical yeah he is just he's completely unmarked in the edge of the area isn't he and with his arms outstretched going give me the ball here and I trust you noticed his reaction to both of these chances as well yeah he was not happy that Harrison did not send, send the ball his way the first one the camera does cut back to Harrison kind of putting his hand up and saying I'm sorry you don't see it on the second one but it's a right old tantrum from click both times of like you and I, I was trying to work out what he might be saying because it it wasn't along the lines of kind of holding your arms out and saying I was here you should have passed me it was more like flinging his arms and going you are fucking rubbish <laughs> but <laughs> which is great I'm happy like I'm but, happy they all want to want the ball and want to score and Harrison the first one was pretty bad the second one was that one where it was just like a a ball's width wide of the post, which is what he got right in the first half. He got it wrong uh, this time and um, Click will presumably never, ever let him forget it. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's one of those, you know, Bielsa says there are, you know, 22 ways to score a goal or whatever it is, or nine ways to score, whatever it might be, whatever the number 21 is. 21 positions in a one-night stand. That's the one, yeah. And um, this is one of his recognised things, isn't it? Stood there on the edge of the area, one of his patterns. Roll it back to the man on the edge. But And he is, it obviously works because he is entirely unmarked on both of these shots. So no one's tracking him. 
Whatever whatever we're doing is working. We just need to finish it. We just need to do it a little bit better. But to be fair, it's going it's going pretty well because now where we look at where we are heading into the international break, just over a third of the season gone. And while we are in third place, um, we are level on points with second and only two points off the top. Worth pointing out that after sixteen games this season, we're actually better off than we were last season when we were top at this point. Uh, we've got thirty one points on the board now out of sixteen games last year. We were actually a point worse off, but top of the league. So it's all right. It's going fine. In looking at that table from last year, it's strange to think Middlesbrough were annoyed at not being top. So they yeah. are in, they are in fourth, just a just a two points off the top. Where um, are they now? Are not, they relegated yet? Not going quite so well from there. Twenty uh, second at the moment. I just really pray they hang on to uh, Woodgate just for a few more weeks. Yeah, it would be nice because we're not going to get to see Colin shithousing against Bielsa at Ellen Road now, are we? That's that's been and gone but I'd like to see Woody dismantled I think isn't Woodgate's problem that he's trying to play nice football yeah and they've gone from Pulis to Woodgate and also Woodgate with the best one in the world he's not Bielsa so <laughs> trying to get his ideas across is maybe not going quite so well for and, and not only that, he's not, having he's not, some ideas is probably his first challenge <laughs> and he's not surrounded himself with experience either has he when you've got Robbie Keane alongside you and, and Harry Kuehl now yeah. Uh, although is he's confirmed. He's, he's, he's going to Hibernian, isn't he? I think. Hibernian? <laughs> yes, hi, the high bees. Not, not the low Burnian. No. He will, yes, he wants to be the Hibernian manager and was sitting on Man City's bench for some reason yes, at he the was, weekend. Wasn't he? It's like he's just doing a, a tour where people are going, oh, God, we have to let that dickhead in. Oh, fine. He wants to watch, watch Pep. And what do you think he learned? Because Pep's, I suppose, he's quite a reasonably honourable person, pretty straightforward. It's all. Uh, being in the, the pay of uh, Man City's owners, part of things, but maybe learn to be a decent human. Unlikely, he might have just been there thinking Pep's probably on loads of money. I wonder where he gets those sweaters. <laughs> Hoping some of the money will just pass to him. Osmosis just soaks him up. Maybe that's his. his yeah, cause, uh, some people. Tony Mowbray was talking about how he, he phoned Bielsa up to have a chat about something the other week, and he, he liked him. Think maybe Kiel's just phoning some people, going like, "Hey, could I could I have some money?" <laughs> So no, I can give you some tickets for the game. No, I mean tickets. Maybe if I'm sat on the bench, it's like, all right, we can have some money as well. We mentioned them at the top of the podcast, and thanks again to Levi solicitors who are getting behind us and helping us do more of this. So if you want to do us a solid and return the favour, then give them a shout if you need a solicitor for just about anything except criminal and family law. They're a Leeds company. They've got branches across the country. So get in touch if you do need a solicitor for anything, whether it's personal, commercial, legal services, and you will get 10% off your legal fees if you mention us a lot when you speak to them unless you are in the process of suing us, in which case, please don't mention us. But if you do need a solicitor, then head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. What's that coming over the hill? Is it a chopper? Why have I mentioned this, Moscow? What's the news? Breaking news that's happened this morning. Get to the chopper. Helicopters are now part of all the Qatar stuff. It was only a matter of time before we had some helicopters to talk about. Mm. Not trying to get Lee Bowyer from the courtroom to the Champions League anymore, but trying to get somebody was in the skies over Leeds on Monday, but who? Well, yeah, the, the app and website Flight Radar tracks all like planes and helicopters and stuff. And the one that belongs to, is it Altani, who's uh, a member, member of the Qatari uh, family that is behind all this? It's certainly, yeah, it's associated with their yacht is the, the strongest link. And yes, the sleuths on Waco who are watching the skies spotted that this uh, chopper flew up from London yesterday to Leeds Bradford and then 
got up in the air again and did a, a few circuits of the city, went over Elland Road a couple of times in the city centre, Round A Park, maybe seen where uh, Jimmy Savile's old flat, that's always a tourist spot. And mm-hmm. then uh, didn't go up to Thorpe Arch, came down, and then a couple of hours later was up again, did another, a very similar trip again, Elland Road, but not Thorpe Arch, which is a, you, know, you would have thought they might have, maybe you could see it from, from Round A Park, it's all depends how close you need to go and there are some power lines up there you have to be careful yeah and then back to London and this is where you'll build your sports village that's Matthew Murray mm. this is the M621 mm. very scenic mm. were, they, were they dropping money like American propaganda leaflets from the from the helicopter yes there's uh, some leaflets about the uh, the brilliant track record of Qatari human rights and how the World Cup is going to be a great success just like the World Athletics Championships were mm. I'm looking forward to this podcast being sponsored by the Qatar World Cup in the near future <laughs> We'll get right behind it, won't we? <laughs> and I mean, hope maybe we'll get some uh, some trips out. I'd love to be in uh, the, what is it going to be the fifty degree heat that they're going to force some footballers to try and kick well, a ball around in. I think it's only going to be mid thirties. Oh, that'll be all right then. Um, in November. It'll be nice to be out there and see if we can breathe. But uh, yeah, so it's interesting that it's it's then been established that uh, Radrizzani is in Jakarta, though. So Andrea doesn't appear to have been around to host them personally. And it may, you know, maybe they just lent the helicopter to somebody. Maybe it's all some kind of prank. Maybe if we unspool, if we if we play the uh, the flight paths back, it'll spell prick or oh, something. Draw a giant penis. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, but uh, but after all the stuff in La Keep last week, and uh, Phil Hayes been talking to uh, sources at the Leeds end and the and the uh, QSI end, who were all kind of. The message from everybody seems to be that, like, yeah, they're talking, like, NASA and invited Andrea over for the Champions League match, and they're kind of saying, well, there's no, there was no formal talks about buying Leeds United booked, but, you know, if they're in a room together, they might just go, do you want to buy Leeds? And you might go, no, stop asking me. Or you might say, I want to buy Leeds, and you might say, well... Hundred million, and they'll go. Well, no, just get that down the back of the chair. Well, the uh, one of the interesting things with uh, from Phil's information from the Qatar end was that uh, they feel that Radz's hundred million valuation is too much at the moment. They don't want to pay that much for Leeds United, which kind of puts a, a little element of doubt into that idea that they'll just, you know, these people are so mega rich that they'll they'll pay anything for anything, and then when they come in, they'll they'll blow FFP out of the water and just spend. You know, if Brighton want 200 million for Ben White, that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> at, at the moment, it seems like there's a there's a haggle over 30 mil for, for the price of the club. So, and the, the things coming from Radrizzani's side that Phil's hearing is that it won't happen during the season, that they might be talking. And he also said there's been no due diligence and no like formal look at Leeds United's financial situation. It does sound it's like... It's foreplay, isn't it? It's foreplay. I mean, it's not... If you had rich mates and a, a successful business that you might one day want to sell when you were meeting them to watch a, an exciting night of Champions League football against Club Bruges, you might just say, oh, you know, you ever thought about buying Leeds off me? No. Nah. Why? Because I'm in over my arse and I need to sell. <laughs> or whatever it is. So it does all seem to be on on that kind of level. But it's um, it would be good if everybody just kind of like shut up. Because that helicopter could have been in and out without anybody knowing about it if it hadn't been for this, all the quotes in the keep and then the other side coming ah, in, Ratchet being there. I want to know. 
Tell us everything. We can never have too much information in this day and age. The valuation of, well, they seem, the figure that's come out from them is 60 to 80 million, which does seem a bit low. Mm. Given that's like Calvin Phillips is probably worth about 30, and he mm. comes with as part of the club. The stadium's worth, only as a football stadium, but the stadium's worth surely the other half of it, more or less. So they can just have Calvin and a stadium for that sort of money. And if we, uh, if we carry out the very simple matter of getting promoted this season, we're, we're immediately worth a lot more. Um, I think Mike Ashley is always trying to get 300 million out of people for Newcastle. And then you look at the prices for, I don't know what Liverpool or Arsenal would cost to, to buy these days, but it would be North of a billion. Yeah, yeah. So, and we are naturally Leeds United are a bigger club than either of those. So, so <laughs> <laughs> these, uh, these idiots pissing about thinking, they can get leads for 60 million. Well, maybe... Get, time- back, get back on your helicopter and you fly back down to your yacht. I am, you tell your mates... We've now established that I am a mathematical genius, so my advice to them is multiply that 60 million pound offer by about 100 and you might be getting close. On to Click. He's signed a new deal, which is good for him. For 100 million pounds. Uh, seems to be dishing out longer contracts these days, four and a half years for him. That's going to take him around to sort of uh, back end of his career, I presume. We've gone from the opposite of um, the Bates era when people used to sign two-year contracts and everyone went, oh, bloody hell, that's not long, is it? And they'll probably leave after one year. Mm. So now people's reaction is going, oh, it's 29, four-and-a-half-year contract. It's probably something to do with FFP as well, like um, amortising the money over a certain period of time or whatever. Yeah, I think contracts have slightly changed with footballers now where it's almost it's more like a guarantee of what you are going to be paid by a club for playing for them. Because if we did have to get rid of Click at any point, we would have to pay his contract up. And if we sell him, then the buying club has to take into account how long his contract is. So it kind of, if you give him a, a four and a half year contract, it might be that we just said, well, we want to pay you, let's maybe say a million over for signing a new contract. And then it's just a question of how you stage the payments, whether it's over four and a half years, so you get it at this amount a week, and then it is pretty friendly on FFP. It keeps your overall wage bill down, or whether you do it as you compress it into two years and 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 do really badly on FFP. So whichever way you did it, I think at the same, at the end of it, matches click would just be getting the same money anyway. So it's all, yeah. it is, people say contracts are irrelevant in football. I think that's one of the ways in which like the, the length kind of is, but it gives you security. He knows where he's working for as long as, um, and he knows how much money he's getting for, for that amount of time. And if we need to get rid of him in the meantime, it's, it'll be the same cost as it and, would have been. And you often find as well with footballers' contracts, I mean, I've got no specialist or insider knowledge on this, but they'll get like um, solidarity payments at the end, like a loyalty payment for seeing out the contract, stuff like that. Yeah, so there'll be a lot of uh, a lot going on in, uh, in amongst it all. Uh, I very much enjoyed the responses to Leif Davis signing a new deal. Under every single report of that, it was just stream after stream of, very good, Davis, very good. He's, he's going to get sick of this pretty quickly I think Once he, if he's playing regularly that's going to be the only shout we need to work it into a chant is the only thing which might prove a little bit difficult um, on to Klitsch I was trying to think of anyone else since I've been supporting Leeds who's been that frozen out to come back and be, become a mainstay of the team she has a great deal of resilience I was thinking like Beckford looked like he was going, going to leave at one mm. point didn't he and went on to be a bit of a legend I'm trying to think of if there's been anyone else the Trezor Candal in the same era I think really like when he came back at Norwich I gouged someone. <laughs> Wait, how long after he came on the sub was that? It was just... oh, seconds. Yeah, I was pissed and really confused because he just walked on the pitch and then he was going off again. And I was like, "Oh, we're not bringing him on. Oh, oh no, he's been sent off." Right. 
No, that's a good point, actually. It's, um, he has done, after getting Thomas Christiansen's one-man hate campaign, extradited him to another country, banished him. He wasn't even, I mean, he was all right at Utrecht, wasn't he? I think they, they didn't mind him on loan there, but there was no sign of him becoming, well, he's played almost every minute. He's been involved, I think, in, I think maybe he's missed one League Cup match that he didn't have anything to do with, but apart from that, he's been involved in every single match. Um, so now he's signed this new long contract. It's just to count down to the serious injury, I suppose. <laughs> it's his turn. Everyone else has had a go. Back to Davis then, but that's good. Yes, very good. Very good. He does look good. There's a quote from uh, Luke Ayling about him being like a machine. So I don't know if Rob Price has had something to do with his development and is uh, experimenting in new ways, just skipping the organ uh, replacement and just going straight for metal parts. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so the mechanoid Davis clanking up and down the uh, the wing. I'm excited to see it. it was he's great. better than Barry Douglas, isn't he? It seems seen to in, be. We've seen about 10 minutes of him and I'm making that call now. There was, someone had put together a little highlight reel of what admittedly was only about 10 minutes on the pitch against QPR, but there was a lovely bit where I think Calvin Phillips goes into a tackle, the ball comes loose, it looks like it's going to no one. Then out of shot comes Davis running it about what looks to be about 200 miles an hour. Yeah. He, he looks like he's been fully Benny Hilled. He's like fast-forwarded. And I like more of that. Looking at the way he plays, you do see him as maybe being able to do an Alioski-type job of just running the whole length of the pitch for the mm. whole game. Well, it was interesting, his interview, where he said he's he's hoping soon to, to get a left-back spot or a centre-back spot. I mean, centre-backs can't... You can't have a centre-back that fast. That wouldn't, that wouldn't work. It's uh, what would you do with him? He's got, how, he's got a... He's got to stay back if he's a centre half. Just stand there, don't move, hand in the air occasionally for Tony Adams. How tall is he as well? Well, he can play the offside trap and still know he can catch them, even if they don't, they don't give it. <laughs> maybe this. I don't. I mean, yeah, and he doesn't look like a, a tall fella. He may be deceptive. Like we, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been playing Berardi there, who's five foot eight. Mm. He, he's um, bigger than that. Well, you see the links to uh, Daniel Ayala at Middlesbrough today that have come out of, uh, I think it's the Northern Echo, isn't it? Um, which is the paper up there. Links, yeah. Linking what? Us. Yeah, mm. saying that we might be testing them because he's out of contract, I think, maybe in the summer. So we could maybe be sniffing around in January for a cut price deal. Why would we want him? Well, because he's a massive shithouse. I must mm. admit, he doesn't seem a, a very Bielsa-ish player. Having got rid of Janssen for being a bit too flailing and, how should we put it, industrial. Yeah, G- uh, He's got giraffe DNA in him as well. <laughs> that neck. I mean, I suppose he'd be all right to bring on for like 10 minutes when you're holding on to a lead and you just want someone to really wind everybody up. head a ball away. <laughs> if uh, if Google's to be believed, and I have used a, an online calculator for this, it gives Leif Davis's length as 1.66 metres, which is five five foot four. That's not true. He can't be five. That must be from like his under 15s stats or something. <laughs> you've got where you've gone for length there rather than height. Oh, well, the same thing. You know what I mean? He was lying down I'm when I'm they joking. measured him. I'm joking. Uh, Daniel Ayala, would you fancy that? No. No. Piss off. Oh, he's a massive shit house. I think it'd be great. We'd yes, absolutely... but you know it would go wrong for us? He, he, the amount of shit he's got away with against us, the first time he has a little pull of someone's shirt, he's giving a penalty when he's playing for us. That's so. true. That's true. Speaking of shit houses, Colin's been sacked. Never mind. Uh, I'm le- I'll let Moscow do it. Sorry. <laughs> he's leaving his. Uh... Well, do you want to say the words that he said there? Can we, can we borrow Colin? Is he. Uh, all right, lads. Uh, I'm leaving my beloved Bluebirds after over three years of which have been some of the best days in my long football career. And have I told you, I'm a, I'm a qualified referee and I, uh, yeah, I was a chiropodist. Oh, you're sacking me still. Okay. Uh, it's a shared belief that this is the right time for a new vote. I mean, 
a new voice, the right time for a new voice. Um, as we we believe, I like how he's still referring to it all as we, yeah, as if he's like, not just like, been sacked. Yeah, detaching himself from the, from the decision. We believe, I've sacked myself, basically. We believe this squad of players is more than capable of getting success. He's just the manager for some reason, seems to be an absolute dickhead. He can't, he can't get anything out of them, but uh, I mean, I had Sol Bamba back on the bench and I could have made the difference. I was going to play him uh, as a number 10. Anyway, it struck me when I read his two books that he barely mentions the fans in his life and he does get a little thank you to the fans at the end where he tells them to uh, be lucky, which is his uh, his little catchphrase slash coaching philosophy. Mm. But um, yeah, it's it's a shame. I was kind of looking forward in a, in a hate way to seeing Bielsa versus Warnock. I get the feeling it's, it might be worse now because he's going to be on the telly on it, isn't he? He's going to be summarising and giving his opinions but with no actual dog in the fight. So, uh, you see what... I know that Cardiff are getting smashed here, but I had a plan I was going to use Peltier and uh, he was going to be playing as a as a right winger. And, uh, <laughs> and I think that would have mixed things up a bit because uh, Bielsa, I know he scouts a lot of games, but you know, you, you want to surprise him, don't you? You want to surprise him. Like, uh, I often surprise uh, Sharon <laughs> with... Uh, <laughs> by taking Lee Peltier home for, uh, <laughs> and she'll have nothing in for him, but she'll still come up with a, a, a fantastic tea for us. And uh, uh, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> Lovely. Cardiff are now searching for a replacement and they're going to make an appointment and an announcement in due course. Do you think he's going to still be uh, helping them search for his replacement? Because that was another thing he did, wasn't it, to take charge, take ownership of all this, was yeah. uh, some time ago said, I'll help him look for a replacement if I need to. <laughs> you wonder how mutual this has been, don't you? Mm. It's always, whenever it's mutual, it's never the manager's choice really, is it? No. It's always someone has said. Especially when it's immediate. Do you want to just, like, fuck off, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Do I, could I not fuck off? What if they not give it to, not really, uh, no. We'd really rather you did fuck off. What if they give it to Kevin and Jeppo? That'd be great. <laughs> Stab him in the back just one last time. <laughs> He's been quietly, quietly grinding away at this and hoping that Warner could get fired so he can step in. Well, there was a lot of talk about the way Blackwell took over from Eddie Gray back in the day. And um, and Warnock definitely was not happy with Blackwell when he left his uh, as his assistant at Sheffield United to take over at Leeds. In fact, he that, that's some of the, uh, the darkest corners of his autobiography when he's at home fuming and can't concentrate can't eat can't sleep because he's been jilted by Kevin Blackwell until uh, Sharon basically tells him to get his act together and prove Blackwell wrong he's like yeah I'm gonna and it took a while for them to be uh, mates that was one of the weird subplots when Blackwell was our manager that when we would play Sheffield United and we were against them for promotion one season as well and it was all Blackwell versus his mentor Dark, dark days, really. We've come a long way. You do forget, don't you? We have come a long, long way. But the drama between those two, I think it's it's ready for a like a, a Golden Girls reboot. D-Day for Kiko today, then he has until today to get his response into the charge of racism. It was interesting to read Angus Kinnear's notes in the programme for the Blackburn game, which you can, I think, on an objective level, you can kind of agree with without passing judgment on what Kiko is alleged to have done. What do you I mean? Do you agree with that? Sort of, yeah. It's it's because the difference that the club are complaining about is that the if it was a uh, if it was in court, yeah, if it was a crown court case, it would be um, beyond reasonable doubt. So if there was any doubt about what Kiko had said or whether he'd said it, then he would be not guilty. 
but the FA go for balance of probability. So they look at the evidence and say, well, if he probably did that, then he's charged. He is guilty as charged. And they're saying uh, it's uh, it's not because we fear a sporting sanction, says um, Angus Kinnear, but because a man's reputation is at stake. And they are pointing out that um, it is one of the mysterious things that Casilla was posting on his Instagram over the summer. He was supporting some anti-racism messages. So it does seem surprising that he should suddenly have this charge hanging over him. But I mean, Mason Bennett was at a drink awareness course the, the very day of the uh, of the Derby incident. Yep, yeah, but, but yeah, that's nothing. That's no reflection on Kiko, obviously. But you know, footballers do do this stuff sometimes. Yeah, this is ultimately. Oh, I've got to post this on Instagram, right? Fine, and then just straight back to uh, back to whatever he, he chose to do. Otherwise, but we don't this, you know, because we don't know what he's he's done. And I don't know when we actually find out because I think he puts his response in today, and it's. I think the implication was his response will be, I want a personal hearing. So whether that means we get details now or whether it's still after this hearing happens, I don't know. Mm. No, the reason I mention it is because, like, you know, the fit and proper persons test or owners and directors test as it is now mm. is basically in line with company directorship law. And I was just, it was an interesting parallel from that point of view that the burden of proof is lower within football than it would be legally. I just found that an interesting thought to explore. I think for most football sanctions, it's fine because it's it's just a game at the end of the day. So balance of probability is fine. When it's something like this, as you say, it, it does reflect badly on someone and it's something that will stick with, with you. If you have been committed for a racist offence, even if it's not in, in law, then it does you are known then forever as a racist. And if he hasn't said anything, it must be pretty shit. <laughs> mm. Like, if I could see why you would, you would be annoyed that the burden of proof isn't as, as strong as in a criminal court because essentially to the public it doesn't really matter whether or not it's an FA charge or a, a legal charge but then you also the flip side of that and I, I wonder if this is why this is where the balance is is I think of all the occasions when people have got away with saying stuff on the pitch because uh, players think they can't prove it yeah. so um, so it's not worth reporting because you, you won't have enough evidence to prove beyond reasonable doubt so maybe it's a it's a reasonable middle ground of actually putting a test there that does catch people who are saying racist things on a football pitch Hopefully not like Kiko. And the point is, we can't influence the outcome, so we're probably daft to even speculate or discuss any of it. Well, it's, yeah, no, it's interesting to to keep an eye on what the, the the state of play with it is and how it will how it will work. So, the, knowing the mechanisms behind it, that it is balance of probability. If that's news to people, then it's good to know that. But what we still don't know, but we will find out at some point, is what the accusation actually is. And I think that's when uh, that's when we possibly find it easier to form a view. Yeah. On to more positive matters then, a happier topic than the centenary kit draw, which we've been speaking about across the last couple of weeks. Just a reminder that that runs until the end of this month. We are raffling off a signed centenary shirt that was obtained for us by Gaetano Berardi. What a gentleman. The total stands at well over £24,000 at the minute and hopefully we'll get a nice big push towards the end of the month before it closes. And basically for every £5 that you donate to Leeds Cares, which is the Leeds Children's Hospital Charity, uh, then you will get yourself an entry into this, the centenary uh, raffle for the shirt. Uh, full terms and conditions are available on the website as well. But if you would like that, want to get your hands on it, a centenary shirt, can't get your hands on these for love nor money, but you might be able to for a fiver and signed by the squad and Marcelo Bielsa. Brilliant, brilliant souvenir at the squareball.net forward slash shirt. 
the beaver. Let's talk beaver now. Childish, <laughs> yes. way, childish way into this, but... Uh, it's, it's not childish. It's what he calls himself. It's a beaver. So if you've been down to the uh, Sports Trust exhibition at uh, the Merrion Centre, which is great, by the way. It's well worth of a, a, a bit of your, your pocket money and a bit of your time. The beaver was there. Paul Trevelyan, who is... If you're not familiar with who he is, well, who is he? What, what's his connection to Leeds then? He, in the early 70s, got involved behind the scenes and he had our players going out on the pitch doing warm-up Almost, almost like a creative director, if you were going to put it in modern terms. That's a very good phrase for him. Yeah, he he designed the um, or introduced the idea of the track suits with the names on the back, of the sock tags, with his idea of uh, that the the players would wear these things that they would sign before every game, and at the end of it, they would give them to kids in the crowd who would take them back to school, and other kids would be like, "Oh, how do I get one of those?" As well, you got to go to Welland Road and see see Leeds United play, so you get more people. So it was all it was all. Um, it's when. Uh, Don Revy was quite uh, upset by the Dirty Leeds tag that stuck with us all the way through that era that the FA and the Football League lumbered us with. And part of his uh, his ways of getting rid of it was to listen to Paul's ideas. Paul had, uh, he organised uh, marching on together, went round to Les Reed's house, woke him up and sat him at the piano and got it, uh, got it going. He was telling the story of that at the... Um, at the trust thing about how he was saying um, we want a cup final song and Les Reed was saying well you you haven't played the semi-final yet it's like yeah we're going to bring it out now like, nobody's ever done that we're doing it <laughs> and until you actually hear that being delivered by an 85 year old man who has more energy than most 8 year olds that I've encountered yeah sort of scampering around uh, he's, a, he's a force of nature the Marion Centre in a cowboy hat um <laughs> And he did, he did fall off his stool at one point as well, which at 85 is not a laughing matter, but he, he'd stood up because he was, t- I can't remember which story he was telling, but he got very animated. It, I think it might have been when he was, because Alan Clark, I mean, we've neglected to mention the fact that Alan Clark was, was there oh, as he was well. There. Oh, is that who that was? Oh. <laughs> and uh, the beaver was saying, this man, Alan Clark, England, England. A-C-E, Ace. And uh, and then he yeah he took a, a dive backwards off a stool and uh, against the wall and uh, could have been a glum moment but then you heard him go I'm all right well yeah <laughs> thank God I hope you are Both but hits. no he was absolutely fine but yeah he's, he's interesting that he's actually a Spurs fan in all this and he took these ideas to Spurs originally and Bill Nicholson their manager went not here go and see yeah. Dom go and see Dom. <laughs> And that's how we, we ended up with it. But he's obviously, he's massively taken to Leeds now. He kept saying, I feel like I'm home. He kept saying. Yeah, because he's, he's too loud for London. <laughs> they don't like him down there because he's, he's too in your face. Whereas in, in Leeds, they take you, take you as you are. But you think about the uh, the sort of um, the legacy he's had in terms of folklore and like all these different iconic things like the the, the sock tags, the shirts. It's become part of, of what we are as a club. He's so fundamental to and, all that. And he brought, prototype products that he had made with him as well stuff that there was only said there was only one of them in existence like some some Norman Hunter shin pads that he'd had made he brought these he was getting them all out of plastic bags he got um the thing he we had a picture with him and he was holding like a it was kind of a vest mm. top thing with a picture team photo on the back of it uh, and he he the bag that I came out of, he put Moscow's book in it, actually, and this priceless bit of 70s memorabilia just got slung in the bag with the rest of the stuff. Uh, but yeah, amazing stuff. And the good news is, we're mentioning all this, is because we're off to see him, aren't we? Um, we met up with him at the Trust exhibition and uh, forged a beautiful relationship. He's actually submitted a bit of artwork to us before that we carried in the mag some years back. We've not even mentioned his artwork, in fact. Mm. 
that's yeah. probably actually mainly what he's known for. If you've ever seen any of the... You Are The Ref you cartoons. Are the, you yeah. Are The Ref cartoons that have been going since the 70s, I think. He's done all of those. And he's still bloody good, like his, his drawings of Bielsa. Phenomenal. Wonderful. And he's, uh, he, he's the master of movement, as he calls himself, quite rightly. But he is, he's brilliant, and he's invited us to his studio, so we're going to go uh, head down towards, towards Bedford, isn't it? So a bit of a, a bit of a road trip for the square ball, but we're going to go down, I think, next week um, to his studios, and he's promising us, what, what, what was his exact words in the email? He's going to spoil us. It was, be ready to be spoilt. <laughs> that was it. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, probably a four-hour podcast we're going to get, going to have a chat to him. Hopefully some artwork, some original artwork, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Get a pack with sleeping bags. I think we're going to yeah. be there for a long time. <laughs> so we're really, really looking forward to that, and we'll bring you the details sales of all that when we've got all that one in the can uh, good luck with you as well Michael doing something else that's good for charity for the uh, the sports trust the walk to Huddersfield I, I do a lot for charity don't like to don't like to talk about it you know some some people say I'm a saint but you know I wouldn't go that far but yes um, who said you're a saint <laughs> some people, some people. <laughs> you, you don't know the people who said that but some some people have definitely said it was it Jimmy Greaves he was very confused <laughs> that saint he back <laughs> But yeah, uh, we're walking to Huddersfield with the Supports Trust um, ahead of the, the Huddersfield game. So if you want to get involved, uh, email walk at legionitedtrust.com. So I mean, if you, you could also like the trainline.com, I think we'll sell you a, <laughs> like a train ticket. You can also you, get a bus there. It's a lot easier. You're not getting involved, Moscow? <laughs> no. Mind, I give Moscow a lift to the studio after the after the the games for the post-match podcasts and it's generally like a 10 minute walk and he bitches absolutely bitches and moans about this so maybe not you, maybe you if you've got if you've got biscuit legs like Moscow <laughs> um, but otherwise it's only about, about 13 miles to Huddersfield yeah. that's that's quite pleasant yeah. I'm sure the locals will make us very welcome as well on a match day so uh, I think the plan is to leave Ellen Road about 6 in the morning which is quite early bloody mm. sky moving kickoffs. Um, but yeah if you want to get involved walk at legionitedtrust.com or if you want to donate to the the fundraising, which is all going to the uh, the Leeds Food Bank, uh, legionitedtrust.com slash donate. Excellent. And a final, another words uh, about something good that's coming up for us. We're off to get pissed in London. For charity? Not for charity, this oh, okay. one. Um, I do just, a lot for charity. But... Just to massage our own egos, but the reason we mention it on here is because we've been um, shortlisted for the Football Supporters Association, which is what the FSF used to be. Um, they've merged with Supporters Direct to form the FSA Club Podcast of the Year. We've been shortlisted uh, for shortlist of six, so a million thanks to you if you nominated us. The winners, sadly, are decided by a panel this time. It said in the um, in the early bit of bump that we saw that it'll be a public vote, and we thought, ah... We could get our uh, lunatic fans to rinse that, <laughs> like we did when we won the fanzine awards some years back. But yeah, I think we've we've forever ruined the public vote for them because yeah. I think we won the fanzine award by that much because <laughs> of the level of cheating you all did, which was which was very much appreciated. But I think you went too far. <laughs> all those VPNs. So a lot of votes from Costa Rica. A lot of votes from Costa Rica. Very big strange. old big old fan base. Yeah, so we're off down to London um, on Monday the 16th of December, which actually clashes with one of our podcast recordings. So we normally record on a Tuesday morning, so should we try a hungover podcast on Tuesday the 17th before we get the train back? We could, we could try. I think it'd be hilarious. That, well, okay. well, let's revisit that idea. We'll discuss it yeah, off air. Well, you, sound, you sound very reluctant, Moscow. <laughs> I mean, if you can wake me up for it, then that's that's your, your challenge. Get um, me into a position where I can actually sit upright and talk. So we are up against Blue Moon, which is the Man City podcast, Fulhamish, which is Fulham's podcast, My Old Man Said, which is Villa, Ringing the Blues, which is Wickham, and Steve Bloomer's Washing, Derby. So up, up against Derby in the semi-finals, we know presume, I presume they won't be drinking. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And when it comes to partying, uh, we are going to have a party at the end of the season to celebrate our inevitable promotion, which is already basically in the bag at this point. Um, the booze and blasphemy batons, two historical features, which will make sense to you if you've been listening for a while. Um, if not, quick refresher. The booze baton started with us at the start of the season when we lost to Stoke in the League Cup. It passed to them and then so on and so forth. Currently resides with Liverpool. Um, so as it stands at the minute, the end of season promotion party will be in Liverpool, assuming they go unbeaten for the rest of the season, which is quite probable given that they beat Man City. Looks like it. They also, it raises the possibility of it going back to Europe, which is interesting because I quite enjoyed when Wolves had it temporarily. I quite liked the idea of it maybe splitting off and ending up in Slovakia, but missed out on that. But now now it could end up anywhere in Europe because the mm. uh, Champions League and all that. Paris? Do we fancy Paris? Expensive though, isn't it? Mm, but the chance to recreate certain aspects of 1975 <laughs> that, uh, that may be interesting. We have had a suggestion from Athletes Viv on Twitter, Vivek, who's saying... Um, if the booze baton and blasphemy baton, which is spun off from, do end up in Liverpool, the end of season party should be at Alma de Cuba in Liverpool. Used to be St. Peter's Catholic Church, now being converted into a bar, which given the historical origins of the um, the blasphemy mm. baton, which was a similar principle based around Nathan Jones and God. But now, gonna, u- now unified with Liverpool, we should say. Are we going to invite Nathan Jones? I, I guess we should. I mean, it may really offend his sensibilities, but... <laughs> he may... I, could, I can picture him opening the invite and roaring at the sky. Yes, another award. I've won again for the third time in my sorry life. So we could we could be drinking in a church to celebrate the origins of this thing. I have actually been to that place um, with my now wife. It's far too nice. I'm not taking Leeds fans in there. No. No, it's, it's nice. It's expensive. No. We, there are better places in Liverpool. Like? Like. <laughs> Josh Parkin, thankfully, is, is more on our wavelength. Uh, the Blob Shop. Now, I found, found a review of this place. It does look like a... I'm fairly sure there used to be a blob shop in Bradford back when I was a youth. 
quite possible. This place sounds like it would probably fit in. Yeah, in, and in, it was a proper Bradford. spit and sawdust kind of shithole. Yeah, and well, to be fair, most places in Bradford are. <laughs> so it says. Um, this is a review from Dave L on Yelp. If the clientele of the blob shop, as we believed, when a man reaches the age of 70, the colour of his hair will revert to its old glory within a matter of hours. <laughs> However, instead of returning to its former hue, it will darken into a shade of black that light itself cannot escape from. <laughs> the fact that so many, so many old men had dyed their hair jet black was the thing that stood out most to me when I sheepishly skulked into the dusty wooden barn that is the blob shop. If you don't mind being the youngest customer by, customer by several decades or sitting in a seat that will inevitably belong to someone, this is a nice but grimy place for an afternoon swig. Sounds so that, all right. So that sounds that sounds pretty good. I like that. And then another review from TripAdvisor said um, this is this person is less complimentary, and they've done it all in very broken sentences. We visited Liverpool on many occasions. Was told about this place by people who were on a coach trip with us. People told us it was the real Liverpool. Simple, no thanks. Drinks are cheap as chips and decent quality. There was a young chap, eighty three, I think, <laughs> whose birthday it was. Nice kind fella offered us a bit of his birthday cake. However. When the locals start offering you knockoff fags, perfume, and then the golden ticket, do you need anything? Give us 15 minutes and we'll sort it. Jesus, I mean, stealing to order. <laughs> Never again will I set foot in this pub. I mean, it does play quite heavily into the stereotype of Liverpool. It does. Yeah. Mm. But if you can get anything you want in 15 minutes, I mean, it's it could enough. be handy. It sounds like a good place to go. Yeah, if you've travelled without a toothbrush or something, then where it comes from is another another matter. My lips are really dry. Could you get possibly pop and get me a lip balm from the chemist? <laughs> That's fifteen pounds. Oh wow, that's steep. Well, if you do have any suggestions as to where we could head for uh, for the parties, whatever city we might be in, then please do get in touch with us either on Twitter or you've got the WhatsApp number as well, which is four four and then seven eight double nine triple five four five nine. Extra Ball, our other podcast, we are looking back at the wonderful Leeds career of Thomas Brolin, who was signed 24 years ago. It was the um, anniversary this last week. And we are carrying on toying with Harry Kewell, who we've renamed Judas Bastard. We're toying with him like a, a cat with a ball of wool, because we're going uh, back in the DeLorean. We're time-travelling back to right the wrongs of the 0102 season in Championship Manager. Check it out then at thesquareball.net forward slash the extra ball. No games here then, boys. It's an international break, so nothing to preview here. So we can keep this bit brief. Exciting England games coming up, though. Yes. Against Montenegro and mm. someone else. Yeah. It's hard, until we've got Ben White in there at the heart of the defence and Calvin Phillips in front of him. Not interested. If Calvin was in the squad, we'd probably be covering that, the England games right now. Oh, I'd, I'd be glued to the television already, waiting for it to start. I mean, he is better than Declan Rice, isn't he? He is much better. Mm. And, and Ben White is better than all of them. Harry Maguire. Yeah. yeah. I well, swap yeah, I mean, I'm better than Harry Maguire, really. <laughs> um, just looking at our next set of fixtures, though, I've just um, scribbled them down here on the sheet. Some very winnable games coming up across the next few. So we come back, we're looting away. Winning that. They're 21st. Yeah, we win there. Reading away. Winning that one. 17th. Yeah. Middlesbrough at home. We win that. 22nd. And then we've got Huddersfield away. Easy win. 19th and then the next one is Hull at home three points there we win that too Tuesday after that on the that's good but they're mid-table they're 12th yeah we'll beat them we owe them one from last season as well don't we yeah so we'll we'll beat them twice that afternoon so maybe we'll we'll beat them in uh, the match and then it gets to the end and we'll be like oh Sars do you want a rematch and then beat them again straight away that will be quite late because it's a midweek game that's alright well we were talking before about our player stamina Play them three times if they want. It will uh, It certainly make the Match Ball podcast late and long. Well, we can just 
assume that we're going to win the the third game. We'll just we'll just record it during the second half of the second one, as we get nine points from our three games against Hull City in uh, in twelve hours. Get to the end of the season, we've played forty nine games or whatever. So serious question though. So looking at these fixtures, what's coming up? We've had a little bit of a minor wobble, but we're still better off than we were last season. Are you feeling all right about the season now? Yeah, and looking at these games, that's fifteen more points. <laughs> Probably adding another, probably adding another fifteen to the goal difference as well across these games. I'm not sure who West Brom or Preston are playing during this period, but I can't see them getting a win anywhere. <laughs> I think West Brom are actually played a lot of the top six sides in this next sweep of fixtures. Oh, as they'll, well. they'll be out of the playoffs then by the end of this. We'll be topped by uh, by about twelve points. Them and Preston. Probably mid-table. Well, given that this podcast swings between um, outrageous arrogance like that and hideous, hideous, despair. yeah, soul-crushing despair, where, what, where are you really somewhere in the middle of that? I'm somewhere in the middle of that. It's fine. I think we're doing quite well. Yeah, I think everything's going good. We're, we're pretty... We've got resilience that we didn't have last year and I think it's taken a few games because the, the late goals against Derby and Swansea made us think that we still had uh, had that problem from last season, but we've we've kind of knuckled down in the last few matches since the last, if we remember going into the last international break, we lost away at Charlton and then we'd had the defeat at Millwall. And so everything felt pretty bad. But since then, three home wins, two away draws, the club had a birthday. It's all been pretty decent. Everything's been good. And we look something about it because I think there are those, uh, those problems on the horizon. It's like, do we score enough goals? Well, Harrison's really stepping up. Bamford, hopefully that penalty will unleash the floodgates. Tyler Roberts has brought in a bit more creativity in the attack and we can see if Jack Harrison ever passes to match his click again, he might get one occasionally. Pablo's coming back. Pablo's fit again. There's no sign of for sure, but that's, that is what it is. And Liam Cooper being injured, obviously, is a problem. But Liam Cooper dropping out, Berardi just comes in and he's like, absolutely fine. And we obviously have this, this hangover or this potential hangover with Casilla if anything happens there but I don't have a big worry about him not being our goalkeeper for a while I just get the feeling that even if Meslier comes in and he is a bit uh, inexperienced we look good enough that we can probably I mean no, nobody is having any shots at us that's the thing there is very little for Casilla to actually do in a game um, so as long as Meslier can like his first touch is alright and he can pick a pass don't matter we could probably or Maybe this is it. Maybe if uh, we just need to put an outfield player in goal to get us through Casillas' ban, if there is one, to stick a... I mean, imagine the supreme arrogance of that <laughs> nominating a goalkeeper. If Pablo can't... Shackleton as well. Lucas, Rad- Lucas Radebe. That's a good thing in Pablo. If Pablo, if uh, Roberts is uh, is all right with the attack, stick Pablo in goal and uh, he doesn't have to save anything because nobody's having any shots at us. And then I think that's the point I'm kind of stumbling towards is that we are that good defensively. He can be the, can be the first goalkeeper to give the striker the eyes. Just <laughs> staring into his soul as he's their own goal. So I think we're going to be all right. So who's made a smile across the last week? Who's brought tears to our tiny little Yorkshire tear ducts? It's our weekly task of picking a hero and a villain then right now for Heroes and Villains. Ken Bates Villainy Award first. Ken's up first as is it's part of the rules of the game, isn't it really? Can't win but has to have a nomination for what? Back to a story we've covered before in Casper, Wyoming. Con- um, Councilman Ken Bates, this is in his new role. Definitely the same guy. Yep. 
yeah, 100% the same guy. He looks a bit younger on some of the pictures, but um, I'm pretty sure, it's the, pretty sure it's the same fella. Might, be the, might be the light, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the council in, it's, it's a long-running saga in Cast Wyoming is this, but the, uh, the former Plains Furniture and the adjacent properties, the council basically bought them years ago. Good historic buildings, then. Yeah, the they're really nice. It'd been a garage years ago and stuff, so they'd bought them, I think, to save them, but then they overpaid for it and they want to get rid of them. And a previous vote, the council couldn't decide whether or not they were going to sell them to this company. I mean, to, let, let's not forget, sorry to interrupt, I was just going to say, property development, Ken Bates, very good at it. Well, he's against it, you see, in this oh. case, which is, I guess, because it's not him that's doing the development. Um, but the previously the council had been split on it, there's been a new vote. Now, this time, everyone has voted for the development to go through, other than Ken, because he, he's he's concerned about the, the loss of money on it, because they'd obviously paid an overinflated price. It's going it's to hurt things for the taxpayer. Yeah. It will loss. He needs me up. This, this work that the proposal for the Nolan is a good one. I'm not sure which Nolan we're going to be getting. Maybe Colleen or Christopher. Made obviously the the the, Bat, the Batman the kids films. Why why are you making the kids films and giving him the, the development? I don't know. Maybe Colleen can. I'm not in the mood for dancing when it comes to losing money. But for what it's worth, Christine Lutch thinks it's going to create jobs. And I don't like that either. So, cancel the whole thing. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. Anyway, uh, Daily Mirror, Sunday Mirror. Mirror Group, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Mirror Group newspapers. Is this the Gary Sprake thing? Uh, not this one. Or Emmeline Hughes, um, say the leads and I'm snarling. It's not that either. Long-running... Um, Grievance with that newspaper. Uh, Leeds United slammed for link to firm selling tasers like the one which killed Daley Atkinson, the story that emerged over the weekend. The worst kind of clickbait. It's talking about Wish. Wish sells some stuff on their website that might be deemed questionable. I mean, to put this in context, the Premier League in a few weeks' time and then over Christmas will be screened on Amazon who sell flick knives. They do. Yeah. Mm. Um, so they're it, endorsing murder. It's pretty much like you can, you can buy lots of things in lots of places that yeah. can, I mean... Where cells like people have died underneath gravel before? Do we have a? Is going to be a, a campaign against gravel companies for selling gravel? I don't know. I mean, Barclay Card were the sponsors of the Premier League once, weren't they? You, you buy everything with a Barclay Card, don't you? Well, exactly. Yeah, there's absolutely no restrictions to stop you from buying a taser and a flick knife, mm. and then using that card and to the teeth due to Barclays. Unbelievable. I mean, that's that's the biggest outrage in football. But we, we're not bothered about the potential human rights abuses from questionable regimes owning football clubs no absolutely fine all that stuff it's definitely uh, being sponsored by some uh, by a shit Chinese eBay that's uh, that's the bigger problem although I will nominate Wish don't sell tasers for fuck's sake what are you selling tasers to people for <laughs> Jesus Christ just, just don't only way to stop a bad guy with a taser is a good guy with a taser <laughs> and I'm that good guy <laughs> I, I think the fewer tasers there are on the streets the better yeah you're probably right but I mean the story. Who who have we been slammed by anyway in the story? No, I, didn't, I didn't even click it. Them. Yeah, yeah. They, they've just what they've done is they've just said that there was an invented oh. quote in there, wasn't there? It's like well, what one outraged fan said, "I can't believe," and it was that thing of uh, and yeah, I mean, it was so hideously invented. Like, so when did we know that Leeds? How long have Leeds been sponsored by Wish for since the start of the season? There was a big publicity announcement. The announcement. The sticker's been on the bucket from from the first or second game, and. Uh, the news of Leeds' sponsorship has emerged just days after it was revealed. It's like, no, the news has not emerged. You are telling your readers about it now. 
because you want to create this completely manufactured link mm. uh, to generate clicks to your sorry dying newspaper. And if you were, uh, uh, if you don't want to support terrible clickbait, support uh, quality magazines like the Square Ball with your yeah. uh, subscriptions. You see, on the one hand, where glad print is dying. On mm. the other hand, we will save print. Thing is, this was this wasn't. <laughs> Print. This was this is purely this is an internet story because they know that people will go, ooh, Leeds United, and then get annoyed about it and shared it, and it'll generate a bit of revenue for them. Mm. And it's a story that no one's have even had to really write because mm. it doesn't exist. They well, just the, had to go. They're sponsored by them. There's this thing that happened ages ago. The person that did write it was under the name. It was like a generic bloke's name. Turns out somebody did a little bit of digging, and it's actually a woman who wrote the story under that. It's a nom de plume, like a pen name. Mm. Uh, so it's just bullshit. The whole thing, big stinking pile of bullshit. We did nominate on the match ball Lewis Holtby from Blackburn for failing to fully fulfil his potential in Germany. I agree. Got yeah, involved, got involved with that. the wrong crowd over there, didn't he? Mm. I've no idea. I'm making it up. Do you, do you think you have fulfilled your potential? I think I've exceeded what most people thought I would. <laughs> I would do. I remember going to pick up my Moscow mentioned his A level result. I remember going to pick up my GCSE results. And my math teacher said, "I don't know how you've done it." Was her her exact words to me? Through both a combination of skill and ability. <laughs> That's what it is. That must have been the thing. It certainly mm. wasn't revision. I mean, Moscow, you've written a, a book. Mm. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was all right. The and Beaver says it's good. The Beaver says it should sell a million, and he kissed me. Tongues or it was awkward. No, to but watch, it was... to be honest, it went on for about three minutes, <laughs> <laughs> like a pair of teenagers. And if it comes to uh, fulfilling my potential, because I never did actually finish that maths A level. I dropped out after a while, and that's the reason why I didn't go to university. So the fact that I completed that math test at the start of this, I'm actually pretty proud of myself. I um I went to university. I went to university in Newcastle, to Northumbria, not the proper one, um, and did geography. And I turned up on the first day of the second year, and people thought I'd gone so f- few times in the first year because first year you've got to get forty percent and pass just to stay on the course, like really, really minimal effort. When I turned up for the first day of the second year, people thought I was new. Because I've been so seldom in the first year. <laughs> like, who's this lad? I don't know, I've been here for a year. <laughs> You're the Wassim boy of geography. I mean, I, I did have a, a jolly nice time, though, in Newcastle. Well, I'm sure Wassim boy's having a jolly nice time wherever he is. Uh, anybody else that we'd like to nominate for villains? Because it's been a fairly slim week, hasn't it, really? I think, no, I can't think of anyone else. VAR. Everybody else will be nominating VAR, so I'm going to nominate VAR because I'm having to hear so much about it. No, you see, Not I've even been, in our division. No, I've enjoyed VAR. I've, I enjoyed it because it's making everybody dead angry. It's going to absolutely screw us next year when we're in the Premier League, but it was great seeing how upset Sheffield United got over that millimetres uh, denial of that goal. Yeah, I don't, watch, I don't watch a huge amount of football on TV, but whenever I do, it's all that it's talked about now. Mm. It, does, it is painful. I, it still upsets me that we have to watch on Quest. If we have to Saturday night, our quest because uh, I, you know, name's quite ironic because you do have to try and remember what channel number it's on somewhere in the depths of the Sky Guide. It's a fine channel. If they want to sponsor us, that's true. <laughs> Always liked you guys. We can go back and delete these references. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, it's been a fairly slim week. So do we have uh, a winner there? Because the Daily Mirror deserve it, I think. Yeah. Oh, far and away, yeah, they are absolutely the villains of the week. And Piers Morgan. By extension, mm. he probably appointed that person. Uh, let's move on to the Andy Hughes Hero Award now then, um, given that um, the mirror have tarnished our reputation this week yet again. Um, something more positive then, who's having the Andy Hughes Hero Award nominations this week? I'll nominate Pat Bamford because I know Moscow's on a one-man mission to destroy him. So I, <laughs> fin- I Finished off Bailey Peacock Farrell with that video. So I'll give him some credit, you know. very Did, did well, scored a goal, the assist was lovely, just do more of that. And he got into that scrapping at the end. Oh, and he got that erection as well. Yeah. <laughs> 
Let's not forget that. <laughs> well done, Patrick Bamford, for a heroic erection. Multitasking. Uh, who else? Ben White as well also made the um, team of the week alongside Bamford. Just make, I, I assume he's in it every week. I don't often see this, but Ben White just needs to be first name on the team sheet. Yeah. Hilarious, those Blackburn commentators. Let's not forget now that they were uh, just... It's, it's only Liam Cooper and Ben White at the back. <laughs> Should they be retrospective villains? Just give them that little nomination in there. Oh, that's true. For being uh, idiots. Um, heroes, Click and Davis. Um, Click, he's just a, he's a good fellow to have about, isn't he? I like the man, a footballer in specs. Always uh, reassuring as a contact lens wearer myself. It's nice to see uh, Nice to see that that's not holding him back. Yeah, we did get a, a nomination for Marcelo Bielsa as well via WhatsApp from Matt. The number is 07899 if you want to get in touch. My parents live in Weatherby and before the season, my mum, a retired Spanish teacher, met the world's greatest football coach in Costa. This is a picture of her meeting him, then him taking her number. Hello. <laughs> he texted her later to ask for her address and sent some free shirts her way just for a polite chat in Spanish. Uh, when she sent these pictures, I thought I might have a new pappy. Alas, my bemused dad is still in our lives. Uh, she didn't even mention that her son is a season ticket holder. And he sent along some photos as well with a very happy looking Marcelo again in Costa Coffee and his mum holding the shirts. I think his mum should definitely move in with Marcelo. Well, I think I think Marcelo's moved in on her, hasn't he? We're getting her address and phone number, getting that tied straight down. He's probably texting her in Spanish so her husband can't read it. I mean, I'm assuming he doesn't speak Spanish as well. So yeah, it's all under the radar. Oh, what's, the, what's that message about? Oh, it's just a... It's just a delivery update. One of the old language teachers. Yeah, Spanish. We, just, we, yeah. Always, we just have a thing. We, we talk in, the, in this on text. Yeah, and before you know it, there's a tearful divorce. Uh, Dave McGuinness as well got in touch saying, Andy Hughes Hero Award nomination, the racehorse Bielsa has won four out of five so far, hopefully a sixth at Doncaster on Saturday. Made uh, plenty of us some cash. So Michael, will you be backing it? You only back... Um, I'll, I'll lay it. I'll, I want that horse to lose. <laughs> I, just I like Leeds United. Exactly, I don't support Leeds. Lost 11 quid this week, by the way. Just, for the, just for the record, I put a tenner on Blackburn before, then we went 2-0 up, pound on the draw, it was 20-1. to 1. I thought, I'll just cover off the draw here for a quid. And when they scored that one, thought, straight oh, after, I thought, quid's in. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Who else do you want to nominate for heroes? Uh, we mentioned Tony Mowbray being a nice guy before, and um, yeah, I think he's full. He seems to be talking a lot about Bielsa, um, at the weekend and he came out saying that he is good for the English game which uh, I hope um, fucking Frank Lampard was paying attention to somebody who's actually had a proper career in football and what his uh, um, opinion is rather than being hand- handed everything on a plate by his family he seems to me despite the Spygate thing he seems a pretty humble honest hard working guy I don't see a sneaky clever guy who thinks he's better than everyone else I see a really humble nice guy which is what he is Absolutely. So well done, Tony Mowbray. Although he is also more clever than everyone else. He might just not show it, but he is. And to be fair, Mowbray, there was sort of air quotes around the clever, as in he wasn't suggesting he was stupid, he was suggesting that he was not trying to be a smart ass. Yeah. Yeah. He said... uh, Like Frank Lampard. He said, I like his personality, to be honest. He doesn't speak much English, so it's difficult to converse with him. But I did speak with him on the phone a couple of months ago about something, and I liked him. Liked his personality. Humble, honest, hard-working guy. Think that what he's done in the countries he's been in, it was just normal. He wasn't cheating, he was just doing what was done. Very good, Mowbray. Very someone good. who is good for the game, someone who is good for English football. And he talks about um, hoping that we go up to the Premier League as well, because he'd like to see uh, 
Uh, I just think if Bielsa gets to the Premier League and they spend some money, would he create a team that can give lots of Premier League teams lots of problems with his positional play? It would be fascinating to see that. Let's look at it this way. I long for the day that Leeds United under Marcelo Bielsa beats Chelsea's Frank Lampard. And uh, Mowbray, just to... And in that way round as well, Chelsea's Frank Lampard. To give, all this, to give it this its full room, because it's worth just dwelling on somebody being nice. Um Mowbray concluded, I'm personally pleased he stayed in England because there was a lot of talk that he'd have one season and have a go at it and move on. Great credit to him for staying and having another go. He likes Yorkshire, doesn't he? And he likes Matt's mum. That's what's, uh, that's what's kept him in Yorkshire. Oh, I thought you meant Tony Mowbray. Maybe that's, what, like, maybe that's what's happening. Is, uh, moving he's, in. he's going for uh, late night meetings, well, well, afternoon meetings over, over lattes and uh, cappuccinos with Matt's mum in Costa. That's why he's there all the time. This whole tactical thing's a ruse. His um, sleeping quarters he's had built at the training ground all suddenly, becomes clear. Suddenly, all the pieces fit. No uh, entrar! No entrar! <laughs> <laughs> right, so who's your winner then? That's the real reason Salim Lamrani had to go. Jealous. <laughs> I'm tempted by Mowbray. It's rare to hear a... Yeah, just for, just, for, the, just for having such a point of difference. And the, In the week when uh, Neil Warnock's been sacked, kind of good to kind of just celebrate a good, solid domestic manager who is not a knobhead. And has the decency to lose to us. Yeah, it's yes. very good of him. So well done, Tony Mowbray. Congratulations. So mags, mugs, merchandise and subscriptions to The Extra Ball, our other podcasts, are available at thesquareball.net. If you fancy checking that out, we would love your support. We really appreciate it. Same goes for Levi Solicitors as well, backers of this podcast. levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash thesquareball. Heading off into the international break now, what we're going to be doing with ourselves... Staring into the void, existential crisis. What, like watching England? A, a light, it's like Bielsa light, isn't it? Yeah, I get so frustrated watching them because it's just like a shit version of what we do. I used to enjoy the international breaks because I used to enjoy not having to watch Leeds for a week, but it's kind of good at the moment, so it's yeah. a shame. If we are in League One, this wouldn't be happening. Remember those days? No international breaks there. It was lovely. The good old days, eh? Right, well, we'll catch up with you on the match ball when the games return uh, after the international break, but we'll be back next week, as per usual, on Tuesday to record this podcast. We'll speak to you in a bit. Thanks for listening. Ta-ra. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.